But I'm glad you're here today because you're going to hear the greatest of the I am statements. Now, Jesus said in that little video that we just saw, you heard him say earlier, I am the door. In John 10, we're going to come to it in a moment, he has three great I am statements. Now, he'd already done another one, so there's actually, this is the, we're going to see the fourth, but there are three in John 10. We'll come to that in just a moment. But I welcome you here today and add to Kevin what he's already said of thanking you for coming and being on time. Isn't that pretty good? Now, see, back in November, I think I told you this, said Baptists are, are uh, exempt from daylight savings time. Remember that? Remember I told you that? I wrote it out. I got it written out here somewhere. Baptists are exempt because on religious grounds because the hour was saved last year, and you know how we are, once saved, always saved. So, you know, what can I say? But I'm glad you're here. I think this is the biggest crowd we've ever had. And on the day when some are not, probably will get here, as you said, in just a few minutes. But uh, thank you for coming today. I want you to turn to John 10, beginning with verse 11. John 10, beginning with verse 11. And we're going to look at this text today. It's a powerful one. We're going to continue to see as the religious leaders struggle in their understanding of and hearing of our Lord Jesus. And uh, he speaks again today in such a powerful text. John chapter 10, beginning with verse 11, going through verse 21, it says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired man, or some versions say hireling, Since he is not the shepherd and doesn't own the sheep, he leaves them. He runs when he sees a wolf coming. The wolf then scratches and snatches and scatters them. This happens because he is a hired man and doesn't care about the sheep. And he says it again in verse 14. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me. As the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. But I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. Then there will be one flock, one shepherd. This is why the Father loves me, because I am laying down my life so that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own. I have the right to lay it down, and I have the right to take it up again. I have received this command from my Father. Then sadly, again, verse 19, a division took place among the Jews because of these words. Many of them were saying, he has a demon, he's crazy. Why don't you listen to him? Others were saying, these are not the words of someone demon-possessed. Can a demon open the eyes of of the blind. Well, again, we see three declarations throughout John chapter 10. We already had seen him saying earlier in chapter 6, I am the bread. He said, I am the light. He said in chapter 10, I am the door. Now he says, I am the good shepherd. The word translated good, my friends, means intrinsically good inherently good, good to the core. His nature is one of true, absolute goodness. Unlike us, 
He is good without any measure of badness. He is good. He is, he is like the metal that is absolutely pure. There is no uh, alloy in it. There is no kind of imperfection. It is pure. He is intrinsically good. I am the good shepherd. To call him good in this way is the same as calling him God. Well, some of the greatest uh, persons we read out in the Bible were shepherds. You know David was quite a shepherd, wasn't he? In fact, he made those statements before Saul that when a lion came against the flock, I killed that lion. When a wolf came against the flock, I killed that wolf. A bear. You say, well, wait a minute, there aren't any lions and bears and wolves in Israel. Well, there were. And there have been a few efforts to reintroduce the Asiatic lion which is smaller than the African lion, but the Asiatic lion into Israel. And there is still, an, uh, I'll never forget this, I was preaching one time and I used reference to wolves not being in Israel anymore, but there used to be. And some young man, we had this savant young man in our church who comes up with me with a book, wolf book. He knew I was preaching that night and he showed me the book and shows that there was an Arabica something. He used the genus name of the wolf that once was indigenous to Israel, but still lives in some of the Arabian countries even today. I said, well, guess I learned something new today. Well, there were wolves, and there was a type of Asiatic bear even that lived in that day and time. But the shepherds had to protect their flock from these, as well as people who would steal them. We know Moses was a shepherd. David was. Many of the people throughout history were great shepherds. And Jesus was speaking to a group who would know what he meant when he said, I am the good shepherd. I've told you that throughout the Holy Land today, there are still shepherd boys and girls who work the flocks of goats and sheep. I was looking at a video the other day and it was showing area in Israel that I know well. And you would think, well, there's no grass there. And, and I know Dale's women's group has been studying the 23rd Psalm. And, and we lay down in green pastures. Well, there are not many green pastures in Israel except where it's irrigated. But there are green shoots of grass here and there that are enough for the flock to live on. And they'll eat one place and they'll take them to another where there are little bitty bits of grass and scrub that does suffice for them. But we know there is a good shepherd always watching over the flock. They need it. You see, sheep are not the smartest animals in the world. Like people, we need herding, we need protection, we need guidance, we need a lot of things. And we are like the sheep. But here we see four special ministries. Four special ministries toward the sheep. And first of all, in verses 11 through 13, he says he dies for the sheep. He dies for the sheep, verses 11, 12, and 13, as we've just read. Now, under the old covenant, the sheep died for the shepherd. But in the new covenant, of which Jesus is talking about, the shepherd dies for the sheep. Total switch. So five times he affirms the sacrificial nature of the shepherd. And of course, he is speaking spiritually here, not about actual sheep. He's saying, I came to die for you. 
I came to die for you. I did not come to be a shepherd, just a shepherd. I came to die as a substitute. Jesus did not die as a martyr. He died as a substitute for who? For you and for me. He died in our place. Oh, my friends, and he contrasts here his ministry to that of a hireling or a hired person. Who, as you saw in the video, when the wolves come, they're out of here. They're gone. Elvis has left the building. He is not going to step around, stand around and fight a wolf or a bear or a lion. But Jesus said, I'm different than that. You see, because I bought you. The shepherd has purchased the sheep. We'll come back to that in a moment. But he purchases the sheep and they are his because he died for them. Well, we'll look at that even now. But it says he, they belong to him because he cares for them. We all need a shepherd. Well, the Pharisees, in contrast, had no loving concern. The Jewish religious leaders had no concern for the flock. We've already seen in the case of the man born blind what happened when he challenged them. They kicked him out of the synagogue. They had no concern for him as a person. Jesus, however, found him, remember, and brought him into the fold and talked to him. And this man worshipped the Lord Jesus. So we see here that Jesus dies for the sheep and through his death he has purchased our eternal life. What kind of a shepherd more than that would we ever want? He cares so much for us. That he died in our place. He says it over and over. I am the good shepherd. He lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus died for you and me. Earlier we sang that beautiful series of uh, medley of songs. I started to call Dale our gospel pianist and Tim our gospel song leader. It was an old medley of gospel songs about the blood. You need to understand that in the 21st century, most churches are not ever going to mention the blood of Jesus Christ. You will not hear it mentioned in most churches. I promise you, they will assiduously avoid the subject because they think it's not classy or not whatever. And you know me, I don't really care about what other people think. Except for the blood, the shed blood of Jesus, we're all lost. The shepherd laid down his life. He shed his blood so that we might experience eternal life. And I want you just to pause a moment and just say, thank you, Lord. Say it out loud with me. Thank you, Lord. I mean, he, he died for you. And if you were the only person on this earth, he would have done the same just for you. He loves you. He's the good shepherd. And I want that to ring throughout your head all day long and all week long. He is the good shepherd. He dies for his sheep. Second, he knows his sheep. Now listen to me. This is powerful. He knows his sheep. The word know means much more than an intellectual assent or an intellectual awareness. It means an intimacy of knowledge. He knows his sheep. He knows each one of us. An eastern shepherd knew every sheep and would usually call them by name. He would give them names. Now, I don't know what kind of name he gave the sheep. 
but they all had their names and they understood who they were. He could call them by name and they would come to him. They knew his voice. He knew their names. Now look at me. He knows your name. He knows your name. Have any of you ever experienced identity theft? I've heard about it. I don't want it happening to me. They say it happens about once every four seconds somewhere in the United States. Somebody loses their identity. Well, you might lose your identity, but Jesus knows who you are. He knows your name. The good shepherd knows our names. You may get your identity lost in some other way, but he knows. And he also knows our natures. He knows you. He knows where you're weak. He knows where you're strong. He knew the disciples. Think about the differences amongst the disciples. Peter was that impulsive, impetuous one with whom I sometimes identify, perhaps more than I should. But he was always the one in the classroom. Have you ever, some of you are teachers or have had taught class and there's a child's always got their hand in the air. Whether they know the answer or not, they got their hand in the air. That was Peter. You've got the others, such as Thomas, who was always doubting. Thomas, who was always hesitant. Andrew, who was the people person. You never see Andrew without him bringing somebody to Christ. Doesn't say much. He just always bringing somebody to Jesus. Oh, we have so many. Matthew, the tax collector, you know about him. Uh, you know about all of them, but they were so different. He knew them all. And just as the shepherd cares for the sheep, the sheep get to know their shepherd better. Shouldn't it be the goal of our life? I just want to know you better, Lord. I just want to know the shepherd better. Every day that I live, I want to learn something else. I want to grow closer to you, Lord. I really want to know you better. And if anything comes good out of Pebble Creek Baptist, it will be that some people have come to Christ and a lot of people have gotten closer to the Lord. Then we can say, well done. Well done. Are you closer now than you were? Well, the shepherd knows our natures, and he wants us to be close to him. And we should be able to say with, with great passion, Lord, I want to know you more. Lord, I want to know you better. I'm not satisfied with what I know now. I want to know even more. Are you there? I pray that you are. The third, the good shepherd brings other sheep into the flock. Now look at me. This is important. In verse 16, he says, I want to bring other people into the flock. Now, we know is, uh, this started as a Jewish religion. Jesus was a Jew. The disciples were Jews. And it started primarily as a, a message and a ministry to Jewish persons. But it quickly moved into another fold. And that other fold were Gentiles. And guess who you are? Most of you are probably amongst that number, as am I. I have no Jewish heritage that I'm aware of. Uh, I've never done one of those DNA tests. I'm not going to do one of those DNAs. Some of you have done those DNA tests. That's fine. If you want to do that, that's your business. I don't really want to know where I come from. I'm, I, I know enough to know. I've, I don't want to know no more, okay? People always said, you come from a long line of distinguished pastors who knew, knew. 
far back as I know, it's chicken thieves and moonshiners, and that's all I need to know. I'm just going to leave it alone. Leave it alone. Well, it started as a Jewish religion, but it began to expound, expand. And we know Peter began ministering to Gentiles. Remember the Cornelius house experience? If you ever go to Joppa with me, or Jaffa they call it today, you go to the place where Cornelius, and you go to the place where the Simon the Tanner was. It's an amazing place. But we know he began reaching out to the Gentiles. And then Paul became known as the apostle to the Gentiles. And he grew to love and reach thousands. And Paul went to every part of the known world at that time. Reaching Gentiles, those who are not of the Jewish fold. So he brings other sheep into the flock. And now God has people all over the world told you I've traveled a lot in this world, uh, maybe too much, but uh, I've been on every continent in the world except for Antarctica. I'm still waiting on that invitation. But I've traveled, and Dale and I were talking about the other day. I don't think she's been with me to South America, but she's been with me to everywhere else, Asia and Africa and all over. But uh, I've traveled so much, and let me tell you one of the greatest things is to is to meet people who know Jesus in some other culture. I'll never forget when I was in Vietnam, and very few people there could speak English. But I could just meet people, and I knew quickly, this is a follower of Christ. There was a spiritual connection that was palpable, powerful. And there are people all over the world that have claimed the name of Christ. And we praise the Lord that that message has gone out everywhere. You see, he died for a lost world. And his desire is that his people will reach a lost world. That's why we are a missionary Baptist church. That's why we give to missions. That's why we believe in missions. Because it is God's call and commission to us to reach this lost world. Because he wants a fold and a flock much bigger than it is now. Fourth and last, the good shepherd takes up his life again. Look at those last verses, 17 through 21. His voluntary death was followed by his victorious resurrection. And he here gives an interesting theological twist that it was his own power to do so. That he was able to raise his own life back from the dead. How could that be possible? Well, he was God the Son. He is a part of the Trinity. He is a part of the Godhead. And only God can do that kind of miracle. From a human point, he was executed. From a divine point of view, he laid down his life willingly. And he here says, I laid it down and I can take it up again. He is saying, I am God. As we've already seen, he is a part of the great I am. How did his listeners respond to this? Not good. Not good. We see yet again division occurring as some said, well, yeah, he's right. Nobody could do this, what he's done, unless he was God. And yet others were saying, oh, the man's got a demon. This was an old, often used phrase. But friends, we got to understand, Jesus already told us he was the door. You saw it in the video. We saw it last week in the passage. The door is going to let some people in. It's going to keep some people out. 
And those without a relationship are kept out because a door shuts some out and lets some others in. Well, there are sheep who are a part of God's flock now that are among Jews and there are Gentiles. But there are non-believers of both Jews and Gentiles who are still outside the flock. As we see the reaction, we see even the reaction today. Some say yes, but most say no. Did not Jesus even say in the Sermon on the Mount, few there be that find the way to eternal life, because straight and narrow is the way. But many there be that find the broad and narrow way, the easy way. Listen to me, it's impossible to be neutral about Jesus Christ. It's impossible. And I call upon you today to take a stand, to take a true stand for the Lord Jesus Christ. Is He the Lord of your life? Is He the Savior of your soul? I mean, He is the Good Shepherd, and He died for you. And you must make a decision, yes or no. And if you are a follower of Christ, then you must decide, am I going to be closer to Him than I once was? Or am I going to languish in this kind of static Christianity that so many experience? What a gift he gave for you and me. Voluntarily, he laid down his life and he took it up again. He's paid that price for each one of us. What a message he has given us today. I am the good shepherd. And I lay down my life for you and you and you and you and you. I love you is his message today. Pray with me, please, please. Lord God, we thank you that you are such a good God to give us your Son who is the good, good shepherd who lays down his life for us. So Father God, in Jesus' name, we thank you that you are our good shepherd. Lead us, Father, and may we follow and may we grow Lord, we love you, and we commit this time to you, and we pray that you administer now to every heart of every man, woman, boy, and girl in this place. In Jesus' precious name, amen.